With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Um, happy it's not this weekend anymore week. Happy Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving week. Thanksgiving Thanksgiving is also a thing that is happening. Q's in the city is dead. Long live Q's in the city. <laughs> what a great, what a great three-day stretch here in my in my wonderful city, where every day just cascaded downwards. <laughs> this was like the perfect Viking funeral for the Doctor Gross era that like we never got. Oh God! <laughs> just just light the raft on fire like if Gross in the Hudson. Just quit on Sunday. And just just yeah, just just put every every artifact from the Gross era into a onto a raft and set it on fire in the hudson and and watch it just sink so anyway (laughs) anyway yeah uh we're gonna talk about those games a little bit um before we get to what's happening next for uh for syracuse iron sports um not a super busy week on the basketball front um in part because of you know last week's travesties and also thanksgiving uh syracuse has one more regular season game left in football um we'll talk hoops a little bit first and then get into football in the second half i think and uh this will be the last real i mean we still had the bowl game and everything we might do a bowl specific preview we'll see um this is going to be like the last combo uh podcast at least for active season so for those yeah one last really packed one which is nice yeah i think uh we're good at being football fans of both teams, but I don't think... Well, we're good at being Syracuse fans of both football and basketball, but I don't necessarily think we're as good at the balancing act on the podcast. So, in advance, I will apologize. But, uh, yeah. So, basketball was bad for a myriad reasons. I would say most of which being that Ty's battle did not shoot all that well or efficiently. Uh, O'Shea Brissett also didn't shoot all that well or efficiently and then frank howard wasn't in um and i'd say like as much as as much as i think there's some merit to the don't judge this team until frank's back uh line of thinking there's also just the major concern that like a the defense actually looked pretty horrendous the last three games now um after a really strong start against east washington this team can't hit from outside and like frank's not necessarily gonna buoy that and in general again the fact that Two non-Frank scorers um, are just not, they're not looking all that great. I mean, Battle had 17 um, against Oregon, but like all, all, all largely for naught and still very inefficient. I, I'm just, I'm concerned that, that Frank's not the only, the only problem here. Yeah, I was all aboard the, I'm not going to worry about like, per, like not great looking performances until Frank gets back, but that doesn't account for like 
the team just not looking like they're prepared to play. Like, I expect there to be struggles without your starting point guard, but I don't expect it to be, like, an effort thing or a, like, just a completely lost thing. And, and this weekend, like, the team just didn't look um, prepared to play either of those games, which is not good. Uh, and then the defense was a major issue. I think Frank will help with the defense because he's at the top of the zone. He's been in it for so long. Um, and clearly the young guys are not there yet. But, like, you still have Battle. You still have Brissett, who became a very good defender last year. You still have uh, Chuku, who uh, was in the middle of the zone last year and uh, doesn't look markedly better so far. Um, and he still has major foul issues. Like, Marek seems to not really have found himself yet this year, which we, we all thought, you know, after the end of last year, maybe he would kind of come in with that, that swaggering confidence he showed in the tournament. So yeah, he looks like a kid who ate too much pizza over the offseason. Oh, God. Oh, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe uh, if, if pizza has other effects, like, I don't know that he's much bigger. Um, but <laughs> if there are, like, a negative other basketball effects, maybe. Um, so it's still early, but, like, Frank being out doesn't account for, like, effort. And that's my biggest issue. And I don't know if it's just, like, a comfort thing. Everyone feels out of position. But the guy who, like, actually seemed to have put himself the best this weekend, and granted he had turnover issues and whatnot, was Jalen Terry, who wasn't here last year. So... I thought his scoring was maybe the one bright spot, but like that doesn't lift, you know, battle being completely unable to hit from deep and, and Hughes, you know, wasn't, you know, anything super special this weekend. Brissett just had his probably his worst game ever against, uh, which game was it where he was like one for nine from three? Was that UConn or Oregon? I uh, can't recall. Either. I think that was Oregon. Could have been Oregon. In the, I mean, Sign of how bad things were against Oregon that Brissett led the team in uh, in assists. It was Oregon. He was one for nine for three. He was one for four against UConn. He was five for uh, twenty seven for the weekend. Um, After a really strong first two games. Yeah, he had he had what seventeen and thirteen, and then twenty and eight in the first game. So like he looked like himself. You know, still not hitting from the field at a super high clip, but like. He looked like, like last year's Brissett, maybe like a little step forward. And this year, I mean, this weekend, he played two of his worst games in Orange, which you don't expect from a, from a young sophomore. No, not at all. Um, I'd say, yeah, like for all the encouraging things we had from Elijah Hughes early, I feel like these past two games, not so much. Carrie, Carrie probably impressed the most of, of anyone, if only because of how he bounced back so well. Um, in that first game against UConn, like he ended up scoring 26 um, and that was, you know, after a really rough start, four turnovers, uh, really looked like he was kind of shrinking in the moment. And then suddenly, uh, you know, kind of really had some offensive burst um, for the latter part of, you know, his time on the court. And he really looked, he looked like one of the, the, the veterans on the team, um, you know, by the end of this disastrous weekend, while, uh, while a lot of these, you know, actual veterans uh, looked like the guys who hadn't been this offense. I mean, like you said, you know, Frank makes a difference on both ends. I agree, but he's not going to make, you know, he's not going to make 25 points worth of difference defensively. Like no, no defender is like no defenders worth that many points, you know, above your, like your average. No, I think if we had Frank this weekend playing at hundred percent, I think we probably, we probably beat UConn. We probably beat like, and I don't think UConn's that good. We probably beat UConn. Did we get ugly. smoked by Iowa. <laughs> and and we de- have gotten destroyed by Iowa. Iowa shoots the hell out of the ball, and it would have been pretty ugly. Or if we had Frank against Oregon, I don't think it would have made that much of a difference. Oregon just, I, I think, I think honestly, Bull Bull set the set the uh, kind of set the the tempo for the game early on, just because he's so intimidating inside. And he's such a presence, and then we were just out of it from the jump. Well, you and I said too when we previewed that game, that potential game last week, that Bull Bull was probably just going to have his way, and like. 
you know, his numbers against Iowa didn't necessarily seem indicative of it, but like it seemed pretty obvious on paper that like he was somebody who could really just abuse SU. And the fact that he could even hit threes, like he's got the range that like, you know, Chukwu is a good shot blocker, but he's also a very stationary defender at times. Um, and when we don't necessarily have like a lot of other, you know, interior help, especially if Marek's not going to be playing at his highest level. Um, that's how a guy like that who can play inside and outside, he can hit mid-range, he can he can do a lot of things um, inside beyond just, you know, posting up. Like, th- that's how a, a guy like Bol Bol has, like, not a career game necessarily, but, you know, a, a pretty impressive effort um, by and large. Yeah, and Bol Bol's really good. Bol Bol of course he is. a problem for teams all year. Um, like, that, that three-point range wasn't new. Like, that was a thing coming in for him. Um, he has a really, really nice toucher on the basket. He's just a, he's a really impressive player. So I think we'll hear a lot from him going forward. But, you know, you're Syracuse. You deal with these kind of players. Like, you play them every year. We're going to see three Bull Bulls uh, in Stuke later this year. So um, not the same type of player, but same same caliber of, of prospect. So um, we have to, you know, this team really needs to wake up because that was, that was a very disheartening performance um, just overall. Like, the UConn game was tough. Um, for different reasons, but I, you know, we still could have pulled that one out. Oregon just outclassed us, and Oregon, you know, was coming off a loss the night before. So it just, you know, overall, just very disheartening weekend for SU basketball. Uh, doesn't mean they can't get it going. Um, you know, we've seen uh, bad stretches of basketball pretty much like I feel like every year we have like some weird week or two where we just look completely lost. This um, is rarely this early. It's rarely this early. And it's usually after we've kind of built up some clout, which we have not had a chance to do this year. Like, you know, a couple of years ago, we won the uh, the tournament in, in the Bahamas. We beat UConn and um, who else is in A&M. that tournament? No, and A&M, who ended up being like a three seed. Yeah. So, you know, we had that to fall back on. And we're like, all right, well, we know what we can do when we get back to playing that way. And we ended up riding to a really nice tournament run. We haven't done anything this year. This is like the first semblance of like big play we've had. So it's, it's I think that makes it even harder to swallow yet. That being said, like it is also very early, and we we also know based on history, like with Syracuse and other teams, if Frank comes back and that makes a difference, and the team starts to roll, like we'll recover from two these two losses, and we'll do the benefit of the doubt if we're near the near the cut line with Frank being out. That being said, Frank being out is definitely not the only issue with this team. Not far from it. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think I forgot which teams. It was the 05-06 team, and there was one other one in there that Brent Dax tweeted out that also started two and two. Um, so it was, it was worth noting that, that both of those teams made the NCAAs. Obviously, you know, previous results don't indicate future returns. But yeah, I, I think what, what concerns me here is that, like, UConn, I, I could have seen the loss coming and kind of did in my mind, even if I wasn't going to predict it, because I, di- I didn't think we would, but I could see how it could happen. If only because, like, UConn is just infinitely more motivated for that game. And oh, you could tell, like, their fans. Of course, their fans. Um, Hurley, the Hurley, Hurley gets it. Hurley looked like a like a nine year old on on a sugar high the whole game. Um, they were very amped up, way more so. The fan breakdown I was at MSG for that game. Like the fan breakdown was definitively more Syracuse, but once the UConn fans got like smelled a little bit of blood, they were in full force. Um, Syracuse fans tried to rally a bit, but UConn fans really wanted that one. Oh, yeah, um, they, they work themselves up into a lather. I mean, even more so than Georgetown fans do against us. And, like, you, I mean, you, you see it in person. You can see it online. Like, it, it's obvious how much they want it, the players want it. Like, Hurley leaned right into that. And, and, and good for him for intrinsically understanding that dynamic immediately. Just, and Bayheim laughed, laughed at him, which was great. <laughs> also that. But, like, yeah. It, it, Bayheim's like, we're, we're going to be okay. And, and, and we totally are. But, like, 
see, I, I like I could see us like losing that game and then like giving Oregon a game even if we did lose, but like to to be just utterly like outclassed and, and defeated the way we were against the Ducks, like that to me is pretty concerning. And like the Colgate game coming up, that's a welcome respite from that level of competition. But then you know Ohio State, Georgetown's going to be better than they were last year, and they gave us some some struggles last year. ODU is no pushover. Buffalo's ranked. Ohio State game, by the way. You can get in the building for $5, apparently. Even though they're ranked number 23 in the country and have looked really good, which is... Football uh, school. <laughs> yes, like us, also a football school. <laughs> um, noted, noted women's basketball school, Syracuse. Since we don't really have many other things to hang our hats on after last week. No, uh, unfortunately, soccer also bowed out. Cr- really, cross-country school. Cross-country also lost this week. <laughs> That's still, I mean, they have, they have a recent old... No, I know, I know. But, but, but they, they can... They did, not, they did not perform as well as they were supposed to this weekend either. Uh, of course. The struggle. Um, so yeah, Colgate, I know uh, James wrote up something today, Monday for those listening, about Frank potentially returning against Colgate. Um, I think maybe we see it. I'd love to see him return before Ohio State. Um, otherwise, like I'm getting very concerned about that Buckeyes game. Like this team can't be three and three heading into December. Does that really, I think with or without Frank really, I mean, with Frank, it's terrifying without Frank. I think it really does reset expectations though, where you, the the demand on what you need to do in the ACC, uh, goes up exponentially. Uh, once you start picking up, you know, two losses you can handle. I thought we could potentially go undefeated and not in conference play this year. Like two losses you can handle three getting into maybe four, like, that's where things get incredibly problematic and where, yeah, like it doesn't matter. It, like, yeah, if you, you pick up enough wins in conference play, you're fine. But like there becomes a, a much bigger dynamic of like, you just need to win games. Like it's not even about who you're beating. It's about the fact you need to pick up enough wins, you know, to make the field. And I, I don't think we're going to be, uh, you know, near that cut line. But again, like if, if, if these concerns that we, that you and I both just expressed continue, you know, even when Frank's back, like, this season gets very dangerous in a hurry. And like, I don't want to, I don't want to be an alarmist. I think that we're going to be fine, but just pointing out what can happen if, if we start taking on a little water. Yeah. Getting Frank back for Colgate. I have no idea whether or not to expect it. It would be nice. Cause I don't think throwing him into at Ohio state as his first, uh, live game action is, uh, necessarily the best spot. Um, or even like beyond that, like Buffalo looks really good. Uh, I don't think we'll, we'll have to wait that long for him, but like, the games aren't that much easier than, like, Georgetown comes up pretty quick on December 8th. Um, you want to get him, like, settled in playing some of those easier opponents. Like, you you know, there's a reason we have these exhibitions before the year. So he hasn't had that opportunity. And even, like, with Jalen Carey, like, he didn't play the first two – he didn't play Super Bowl the first two games. He's played better, and it's a harder competition because I think he's had a chance to settle in and kind of get the kinks worked out a bit. Um, so I think Frank will hopefully get an opportunity for a little bit more of that leeway time. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I, I think in general, like, we're going to have to have some patience. And I don't, I just, because of how this year's schedule was constructed, patience, and, and, and this is something that, like, I know James and I alluded to on the, the basketball season preview podcast, was like, because of how this season was constructed, we only had two games to really get ready for things. And with injuries, like, that was going to cause some problems. That's how you start two and two. That's how you could potentially start three and three. Is just because you didn't have enough time to to get through those injuries and get those guys, even if back, get them back at 100%. And I think, you know, that if if we find ourselves closer to the cut line than we maybe thought we were going to be this year, 
that that's the story of, of, of how that happened, I think, is, is how, how the schedule laid out uh, compared to injuries. And I would almost guarantee that, like, when people start asking about the schedule, that Bayheim has some things to say about it. Yeah, he'll play the game. And, and we know Bayheim, you know, kind of works people well come March. But, you know, it would be nice to, to not have to sweat out a, a March or a uh, Slush and Sunday for the first time in a while. Even if the results have been different since we've gotten there, I, I, I still like the whole, like, oh, let's see where we're seated versus the let's see if we're in. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I definitely, I hated it. The first two years I was at Syracuse, when the second year I knew we weren't in, the first year I thought we were in, um, that would be uh, 06, 07, and 07, 08 for those playing along at home. Um, and then we had a nice little run thereafter of making the field and looking pretty good and all that. Um, interrupted by some sanctions, some unexpected departures. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'd much rather prefer we uh, we get back to consistently being on, you know, one of the first four lines um, or something close to it. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. And I think everyone listening will probably would probably agree. Uh, now that we don't appreciate the the endless drama that is Syracuse basketball, endless drama of really Syracuse athletics in general. I think we. Uh, I, I know that we're close to it, so that's part of what shapes our general uh, perspective. But I do think that there is just like this odd amount of like randomness and intrigue and, and, and drama and theater that goes with Syracuse. And like, I think Beheim is, is a large part of some of that because of the theater that he, he creates on his own. But I mean, it does extend to most of the other sports. And I, I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way in some cases, but, but in others, um, yeah, I could go with like a stress-free, just like, give me like, just, just, I'll take one. Give me one like athletic year uh, from, from late August to May of just like minimal to no drama, meeting expectations or falling slightly short of them, but like not going wildly in one direction or the other. And just like, just, just, just no off, off the field, off the court stuff, no, no media battles like any just 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 one season of it like you know this is the type of time where like you wish you were purdue like current purdue like yeah like current purdue just like oh, okay i mean and they might lose their coach but yeah but like in general like okay you met expectations like you did what you you across the board you do what you're supposed to what was the last time we had a year like that because i can't remember one we've either had like a tumultuous basketball season or like we haven't had very many, like, like some mediocre football seasons have been, like, kind of big achievements. Um, <laughs> and or, or there's, like, coaching changes or there's, there's they're bad. And then the basketball team is either, like, really bad, really good, or something crazy happens. Not really bad. Really bad by our, our standards, which is, like, cut line of the tournament. Yeah. I, uh, I, I can't remember one because you figure they, some, something like that has happened every single year that like in one sport or another every year that that i've been i mean if not if not at the time then afterward like oh yeah like i mean even even my senior year so 20 2009 2010 like we were number you know, one the Arinze stuff yeah we were, were number, number one. one yeah but then yeah the Arinze stuff the fact that we lost to butler like all of those like all of that just completely changes the narrative on everything the entire time since i was a freshman there's been something the year before I was a freshman was the it was the McNamara run through the tournament. Like the year before that, maybe was the year before that was it? 
the year before that might have been the Vermont game. It was either that year or the year before? I think that was the Vermont game. Fuck yeah, like this is what I mean. Like every goddamn. Maybe year. it was the year between the tournament or from the championship and the Vermont game. But even the then, but, but even then, it was minus Carmelo. It was the it was changing the team name. Oh, I forgot that's when that happened. And what did the football team do in 0304? Um, Is that the last year of P? Yes. Yep. <laughs> of course. <laughs> this is to me. Like, the, the, this whole athletic program is just, like, stupid. Like, every single year, there's even, even if you just confine it to football and basketball, there's something. Yep. There's never just, like, a year that just goes by without, like, a crazy event that takes up, like, a month of drama. Yeah, and, like, it's, it's, it's not like we're in a big media market. It's not, like, it's not fueled by the fact that we have a lot of alums in sports media. I don't think it's fueled by the fan base's obsession with basketball in particular. I honestly just think it's, we just have this weird, like, ability to attract, like, drama and noise. Maybe, maybe noise is the better, because, like, because noise can be good or bad. I think that's a good, a good definition for it. Syracuse, the noisiest program that rarely wins anything. <laughs> Prove me. No one's allowed to use, use it against us. So hopefully, I mean, I can't imagine we have a UConn fan. Actually, you know what? If there's a second a, a program that uh, or a fan base that's second most likely to listen to ours, maybe redacting too lame, uh, it's probably UConn. Oh, UConn hate listens the shit out of this. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, it's remarkable. I, I would also like, wouldn't mind like just a year of like the teams played. They were okay. They were fine. We had some ups and downs. They were all, they were all pretty much based on what happened on the court and on the field. Like, could you imagine if we were like, we just wake forest. Ugh, like, like, yeah. Just a little better in basketball. Yeah. A little, better, like, little better in basketball. Standards are much higher. Yeah, maybe a little worse in the like non-rev sports. Yeah, like, oh, we made the Sweet 16. It was, you know, it was decent, decent year. And then fun. football went 7-5, and five, made the uh, made the pinstripe bowl. It was cool. Coach stayed. Co- coach <laughs> Same stayed. coach last year. Men, you know, men, men's soccer won a couple games. Whatever. We're, we're, we're be nice. cool. It'd be a nice, be a nice assistant. The site probably wouldn't do as well. No, um, probably wouldn't. <laughs> um, before we get to halftime, did want to mention something football. Um, I'm sure you caught this. I understand. I know you caught this. Some Syracuse fans might have seen the drama that was unfolding with Notre Dame fans getting really irate about Dino going I for field goal. I did see this. What was that? Like, you people can just shut up. <laughs> like, who cares? Like, this is like such like an old school like baseball like mentality. Like this old guard nonsense where like Dino's petty because he tried a field goal at the end of the game. He wasn't like, petty. He wanted. Hey, uh, I don't care if we got shut out or not. I don't think that's what he was doing. I honestly think he was just giving Andre a kick because he missed a really bad one earlier, and he's also going for a record. Like, who cares? That's the other who thing. Cares like, if Notre Dame didn't shut us out. No yeah. one's gonna be like Notre Dame didn't play as well because they gave him three points. It's like, yeah, it's like my bad. Like, <laughs> we, can, we played amazing. They were amazing all game. Right. We, we we can put in the record book that like you guys got the official shutout, and like that goes towards your career total. Like, I don't, I don't understand like what why it matters because it because doesn't. What did, what did that, like, it didn't hurt them in any way. And nothing about us scoring three points made their day worse. Like, right. it didn't make my day better either, really. Like, it didn't affect the the enjoyment or anything. It made Andre, like, the only thing that was affected was that Andre Schmidt is now one kick closer from uh, an FBS record and set an ACC record, which is pretty cool. 
And I don't really know if that's what Dino was going for it or if he just wanted Andre to, like, not Shake finish his day with yeah. a 23-year-old shank. Or 23-yard, not year-old, yard shank. Um, no, I, uh, I, I, like, don't, I just don't get it because, like, there's – like, would Notre Dame fans rather that we, that we tried to score – on fourth that we tried to score on fourth down and then like and then one of their linebackers broke his arm on the play like yeah the, it was actually probably one of the most low risk things that could have happened aside from us taking a knee for some reason which wouldn't have happened like we weren't going to do obviously so like what well, what do you want like who's whose day was made worse because of that i i don't know well the thing is their fans so, would have gotten pissed off if, if if the if an injury had happened to them if we'd gone for it of at course the end. um and like we kicked it, and it was if, if like a couple of fans were just like, you know what, like they really didn't need to kick that. Whatever. Who cares? They were, like they were so irate. mad. They were so mad. You you would have you would have acted like we were up seventy and we're going for and left our first string in and we're going for touchdowns with the way they were acting at the end of that game. Well, it's very much like a like like we, we like we we need not just the pelt, but we need like the pride of your humiliation. Like yeah, and then like to me, that's just like like. That's dog shit. Like th- that's not sportsmanship. That's not anything. Like like you're you're just assholes. Like you you, you don't need the pride of, of of humiliating us with a shutout. Like we're we're like don't worry. You humiliated we're us. We're also like, not even rivals. Like, right. Why do you care? You used us as a as an opportunity to play in New York City, and we were happy to oblige. Like wh- what what was this for you? What was that shutout supposed to signify? You're number three in the playoff rankings. That's like you were before. Just like you would have been if you shut us out. You got you played as well as humanly possible in that game, um, like and no one no one in the Syracuse that was taking anything away from Notre Dame. Any Syracuse fan you asked is like Notre Dame kicked the shit out of us, right. and rightfully so. They played so much better than us, and even if Dungey had played, it might have been marginally better, but it wouldn't have changed the outcome at all. At all. So what? <laughs> like, I'm so confused as to their anger about that. I I have plenty more to say about the 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 outcome of that game, but I think let's go to halftime and then we'll jump to that. Dan, I'm sure you were busy drinking this weekend. Yeah, I kept I drank plenty. Uh, I kept it to a couple of beers. Um, I'm trying to remember go back to where we were last time. Last we last recorded on the 12th, right? Uh, sure. Was that last Monday? Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, so I think during that podcast, I was drinking uh, some District Six IPA from Wolf Hollow. I had some more of that during the week because we have cans in our fridge now. Um, shout out to them. Uh, I had uh, a pale sour ale from Omegang, which I had not had. I think it's a fairly recent thing for them. Uh, really good. Um, not, not surprising. Omegang does everything really well. Uh, but their pale sour is, is really delicious. Um, really nice balance between those two those two styles. Uh, and kind of like exactly what you, what you want out of it, where it's like a nice tartness, but it's not like, you know, some people are really turned off by sour ales, which I get, but even though I enjoy them. And then the really drinkability of the pale ale, which is nice. Um, I also had some Syracuse Pale Ale at uh, East End Bar and Grill during our live podcast uh, event last Friday. I actually didn't end up having any Bud Lights after all of our jokes last week. Um, I did have some SPAs, which was nice. It's like, you know, you usually don't find that down here. Uh, and also some New York Pale Ale, which I then also had during the game um, from Ithaca. So uh, had plenty of those. Um, shout out to everyone who came out last week. And thank you for putting up with our early audio issues and then asking us questions and whatnot when we finally got things sorted out. It was cool to see all the turnout there. Uh, so, yeah, pretty uh, – not a ton of different beers, but plenty of the ones I did have. Fair enough. Uh, on my end, not crazy, but uh, had a St. Arnold uh, Divine Reserve number 18. It's a barrel-aged uh, stout from them. Firestone Lager, because I had a couple of those hanging around. Had the last of the uh, Mumford third term that I'd mentioned last week. 
Uh, Pizza Port had a, a new hazy IPA in cans over the falls. Uh, that one was pretty good. wasn't like overly juicy, which I, I prefer. Uh, so that one was enjoyable. Some people who follow like California beer in general uh, might know of Kern River's Citra annual release. Uh, pretty big uh, deal. Not as much now as it used to be. Uh, it was kind of like up there with Pliny and some of the other like early, early, um, you know, West Coast IPAs and things and, and double IPAs that really set the standard. So that actually ended up being on draft at uh, one of my favorite local spots. Uh, so made sure to head down there and uh, and check out one of those. It did not disappoint. Uh, very glad that I got to uh, to give it a try. So yeah, nothing nothing super eventful, but some good options nonetheless. Yeah, sir. We certainly needed it after the the weekend that was. Indeed, indeed. Uh, speaking of that, might as well talk about the Eric Dungey stuff first and foremost. Um, Dungey only took about nine snaps. I thought that the nine snaps that he took looked terrible all around. That's not a, an indictment on him as much as just uh, what what Notre Dame was able to do to us. Um, and also, I thought that play design wise was just leaning so heavily on the pass when we ended up being able to run the ball pretty well all game was unfortunate i felt like design runs for dungy early in a game against a very physical notre dame defense also seemed like a poor idea um and whether coincidentally or not it ended up leading to not only an interception play calling in general leading to an interception but him running um probably either by choice or or, or by play design you know led to his uh led to his absence from the game for almost the entirety of it which was not great yeah, the whole thing was so bizarre because he looked, you know, he ran uh, he ran that play where he basically just took it up the middle and, like, you know, gained a couple yards, came up, looked like he was ready to take the snap, and then just went down like, you know, he was taken out by a sniper. And, like, that was so dis- did, like so disconcerting because there was no indication three seconds earlier that he was hurt. Yeah, so I, I agreed with, like, he didn't play well early on. Um, I still think after watching DeVito struggle that – if there was a chance for us to stay competitive in that game, I think it would have been better with Dungy just because um, our receivers just were not getting open on Saturday. No. Um, I think with DeVito, like, he is more arm talent. Um, I think he'll probably end up being the more accurate thrower. Um, I think Dungy might be there depending on the day right now. Um, DeVito throws a nicer ball, but Dungy can make more things happen, and when you have Notre Dame locking down your receivers, you know, there, there might be more room for, for improvisation. So... I kind of feel like we would have been a little closer if Dungy had stayed in there and we kind of figured out some way to, to gain yards on top of Moniel, who looked tremendous for until Notre Dame decided to just lock that up. But, yeah, it just hopefully he can go, if not BC, for the bowl game because it would be really devastating for him to miss the first bowl game where he was such a big part of getting here. But the most important thing is that he's healthy, and it sounded like Dino hinted at it being like better than it was after the game with the, the whole weird hot tub thing this morning. Um, who knows what that was all about. But I think the, the takeaway there is that he, uh, Dino was hinting at, like, things are moving, you know, there's progress being made. Um, that all being said, I think, you know, if, if, if Dungy's not, like, close to 100, if not 100%, but, like, close to, like, 85, 90%, play DeVito against BC. It's not worth getting Dungy. Like, we've made a bowl game. It'd be nice to get to the nine wins, but we're still sitting at eight and three. Play DeVito if, if Dungy is at any risk of making that worse, and let's get him ready for December. Oh, 100%. I, I, and I would hope and think, to be honest, that, that Dungy would agree with that uh, sentiment. I mean, I I don't really know what to take from, like, Dino understands how to play the ACC's injury uh, reporting rules uh, to be as coy as humanly possible. Um, today's uh, 
hot tub comments, which we ran with the uh, hot tub dime machine as the uh, as the, the television show that would result from Dino, Dungey, and DeVito hanging out in a hot tub every Sunday dissecting plays. Um, so Syracuse, feel free to take that because I just want to write about it. Um, but yeah, I uh, I think Dungey should probably sit it unless he's like doing really well. I would bet based on what we saw on Saturday, he's not doing very well, um, <clears throat> or at least not doing well enough um, to really be like you know in, in the state to to do more for us than Devito could. Like you said, I think Devito's going to end up probably being the more accurate passer. Um, he he threw a nice ball, and honestly, like it's a totally different game if 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 Nike Johnson holds on to that would be touchdown pass um, early when Devito got in. It was a gorgeous ball right in the end zone. Um, Johnson had it, unfortunately, got stripped on the way down. Had that tip ball from uh, was it Taj Harris? That was problematic. Like there was, and, and Harris had a great game, five catches, seventy eight yards. But in, in general, like. Our receivers just didn't have it, and once they knew they didn't really have to worry about the run with DeVito, even though he had a run in there, they basically just blitzed the hell out of him. Um, offensive line looked terrible, and and that's that's saying a lot considering that this offensive line has actually looked really good for much of this season, both you know blocking for the run, which has been much improved, um, and the pass, which you know Dungey's probably had more time, you know, in in, in the backfield to to throw the football than he has um, probably his entire career to this point. No, I agree. I think the that Nikeen play, um, I do think that really would have swung things and given us some much new momentum, especially because I believe that was his first play in, right? Yeah. We put DeVito in and he let it rip off the off the jump and I love that. I was all in for, for just being aggressive and trying to make something of the game, especially because that at that point in the game the defense had both it was doing exactly what we have talked about where they, you know, let teams go down the field and then they get into the red zone and they really tighten up. And we had held Notre Dame, like we could have been down big at that point and we were still in it. Um, so it's really unfortunate. There's not much more you can do there. And there were a couple of those plays where like, what, like the, the play, the, uh, the, the tipped interception, mm-hmm. um, like just so many unfortunate, uh, plays where there was really nothing more that could have honestly been done. Um, also the strip on the sideline, which we were probably out of it by that point, but at least, you know, we had a chance to, I mean, to make something happen. Make 20, late. 20 to nothing. If, if you swing, like we had two big momentum, well, three big sw- momentum swing opportunities. There was the the Nikeem Johnson ball that that would have put it. I think we would have. We were only down thirteen nothing at the time. Yeah, it would have been thirteen to six or seven. Yeah, thirteen to seven, like that. Like that would have been a big swing, and then we wouldn't have had to been so one dimensional going forward. Even though I do think we should have run the ball more. Uh, obviously, Andre Cisco's interception on, on the fourth uh, fourth and one, well fourth and goal, uh, inside the one where you know I don't even know why Ian booked through that ball to be honest, but. Doesn't matter. Cisco, obviously with the nose of the ball, as always, uh, picked up another interception. Uh, that was a potential opportunity swing that we didn't do anything. Um, and then, yeah, like the fact that they, the referees didn't even like think to review uh, a clear strip by Trill, you know, can't be overstated how much, you know, the, the two freshmen have impacted things all year with, with Trill and Cisco in the secondary. But two of them made some really, really big plays um, in, in this game. And I think... You know, if, if any of those, if, if they had done anything with the Cisco play, and then if they had actually, if the Nike Johnson would be touchdown and, and the Trill strip, if either of those things happen, I think you're looking at at least a slightly different game, even if the, the final outcome um, in terms of win or loss is, is similar. It would have been a game where we weren't getting all that for taking a field goal late, and it would have just been, you know, a closer 
a better show. Yeah, I, I don't know how that how that stripped didn't get reviewed. That was horrendous. It was so clear watching it the first time, and then every replay just made it more obvious. So that was very disappointing. And like honestly, like it, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter uh, how bad you lose to Notre Dame by, but like there is something to you know hanging in the game and making it respectable. Yeah, so uh, it's just just really disappointing with those plays. Um, I actually thought like until the, the 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 wheels came off, the defense just made you know play after play in, in big spots to keep us at least somewhat respectable uh, down the stretch. And also, um, Notre Dame ran for 171 yards, but it wasn't like they ran all over us. Like they they didn't they top up, 100 until garbage time. Like, yeah, and it was when Wimbush came in and he broke a big one. Um, and the defense, you know, the game was well in hand. It was Ian Book that beat us, and he was really impressive. Better than I better than I expected. I knew he was like a good quarterback and best quarterback for that team. Um, he was really picking us apart. And I know we our, our defense has a tendency to develop yardage, um, but he just aside from uh, you know a couple of the, the interception, a couple other plays, like he really did a nice job of, of finding open guys and, and their receivers just really exploited our zone pretty badly. So uh, yeah, I mean the, the nice thing is we're not going to play another team as good as Notre Dame, but. Um, Overall, like we kind of we, we 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 had the number three team in the country lined up, and when we certainly found out what that looks like, even more so than the Clemson game. Although I think I think last year beating Clemson probably gave us like you know that belief that and that lack of intimidation versus I, I don't know that we were intimidated, but it just seemed like we didn't we, look ready. We didn't have the same. We didn't look ready, and we we didn't like we probably didn't have that like. We haven't played Notre Dame in a couple of years, so and then the teams, both teams, are radically different since last time we did. Um, so there wasn't that like, oh, we just beat these guys last year. There's nothing to be afraid of, even if we're down here now. Yeah, they were definitely unfamiliar with personnel. I feel like they were unfamiliar with the, uh, the physicality that Notre Dame brought in the trenches. That was really where the game was won and lost, to be honest. On both ends, was just in the trenches. Notre Dame's offensive line performed admirably, though they did let up some pressure here and there. They mostly stopped Book from getting sacked. Um, I think they only ended up with two sacks on the game uh, for Syracuse. Like, and, and there were a lot of other plays where they could have gotten to him. But like for the most part, like Book, like he has all season, had a quick release, was super accurate. And, and we, we've said time and time again, like Syracuse's success on defense is, is dictated in part, um, you know, situationally. Obviously, we saw that time and time again with how we were able to stop them in the red zone, make them settle for field goals, keep the game close for longer than it should have been. And then... You know, third downs, uh, we've been very good. But when teams are able to get, you know, when they were able to move the ball, they're moving the ball so often on first and second down, they never get to that third down spot. Um, and obviously, like, a lot of that's based on pressure, too, where if SU can apply pressure to you and SU can force you to throw, um, Notre Dame kind of leaned into throwing the football because they understood just in the trenches that, that they could stop us, um, you know, on that blitz. So I think that was... That, that was some food for thought, but it's also worth noting that, like, Notre Dame also probably has the best offensive line that we're going to face. I think BC, before the season, was definitely seen as one of the best uh, offensive lines in the conference. I think they still are, but I think they might have been at least a little bit overhyped um, going into this season um, if we want to take that segue into this coming week's uh, matchup. Yeah, I think we're getting, like, seriously undervalued after this Notre Dame game against BC, uh, against BC coming up because, A, um, I would I would almost wager to say losing by 1 to Florida State is as bad or worse than losing by 33 to Notre Dame at this point. Yes. Um, and also, BC is nowhere near—I know we're not, but they're really not healthy. 
Yeah, I mean, Brown played last week, and he actually didn't look half bad, but um, he's definitely not 100%. A.J. Dillon's not 100% at all. Again, we mentioned this in the last couple weeks. Dillon is definitely succumbing to overuse um, and just a a lingering injury as probably a result of overuse. Um, You know, BC, BC likes to play a physical style. They just haven't looked as crisp in the second half of the season, and the last two weeks have been against... You know, teams that should be physically more talented than them and are, especially in the sense of uh, Clemson. But, like, this offense has kind of gone off the rails a little bit, and I think that does give an opening for Syracuse. They might not have had, you know, even, like, two weeks ago. Yeah, I, I actually i am I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty confident. Um, I, I, I don't think it's a slam dunk at all. I think BC's defense is really good and probably not as good as Notre Dame's, but I, they play very well, and they're very – I mean, the last couple of years they've, they've been – just very uh, like they 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 do what they need to do even in that Clemson game like they were very much outmatched talent wise but they they held the Tigers pretty well uh, their offenses turned to get going especially once Brown went out but if Dylan can't go I'm just not that worried about this offense I I, I think Brown's solid and his style scares me a bit but I don't think he's like a a super great talent um, I say that totally realizing we offered him uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel good about our quarterback situation whether it's Devito or Dungy. Um, but I also think on defense, like, they're just not going to be able to gobble us up the way Notre Dame did. Notre Dame has four stars and five stars flying all over the place. BC plays really well on defense, and they're, and they're, they're sound. But they're opportunistic but like we are. They're opportunistic, and I don't think they're going to be able to just indulge our receiving core as the Notre Dame secondary did. Yeah, I, I completely buy that. I think, you know, th- just like we don't engulf anybody on defense, really, especially in the back seven either, like— BC, a lot of their their success on defense is based on turnovers. Uh, they have a couple good cover guys, but in general, like it, it's based on you know flipping the field and, and taking advantage of you know mistakes. And that's something that 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 I'm not going to discount because we're doing the same thing. Um, but it's to point out that like this isn't this isn't a talent. This isn't the type of thing where where we have to make up for a talent gap. This is just you know who schemes better, whose players are going to be able to outmatch the others. Um, this given Saturday, I think there's there, there's definitely a uh, a much different vibe heading into this game, and I think if anything, like I don't necessarily believe always in the like you know snap back to reality loss, but I, I think a lot of Syracuse players um, might at least be viewing BC a lot differently um, than had they you know played very close against Notre Dame or potentially in one. Um, I, I think we're we're actually in a good spot where you know we can make corrections. There's things to point to from last week's tape to go. This didn't work. This didn't work. This was a disaster. Um, and, and and here's how we can fix this. Yeah, I, I think that's that's all very valid. Um, did I see correctly? The line was like seven and a half to open. Line seven and a half to open. I think that's high with or without Dungy, especially with him. Um, I'd put it around three and a half four. Um, in yeah. favor of BC at their own home field. Yeah, I cannot. I hope it's the same when I get over to Jersey tomorrow. I cannot wait to <laughs> throw in a bet on that. That is, that is even if Devito plays, uh, that is outrageous. And I know Devito looked bad in Notre Dame. So I think we've talked about you know just before like it was bad, but it could have been a lot better if like a couple of of balls he put right on the money were caught. <laughs> um, mm. But uh, against BC, I, I have faith in Devito playing a pretty solid game, especially when he has all week. Uh, to prepare for it as QB1, assuming we know, you know, relatively early whether or not Dungy can go. I'm looking, I think S&P Plus really didn't change for the matchup uh, because of BC's loss being probably about as ours in terms of what the numbers look like. I think it stayed exactly at like the same or right around the same 
Uh, they have BC as a 53% chance to win, so I think that's probably pretty... I think that's pretty fair. Um, I think that reflects more accurately what we thought the line would be, which was like probably BC minus two and a half to three and a half with that three-point home field swing. Yeah, I, I completely buy that. Um, I think, you know, again, like considering that they're, that, that feels like they're just assuming that Brown is 100% healthy and that Dylan's 100% healthy, and we know neither of those are legit. There's also just the chance, too, that Vegas um, is trying to get dumb betters um, heading into Thanksgiving and like seeing people overreact to um, Syracuse's loss to Notre Dame, maybe see it as an opportunity to make some easy money on their end. So we'll see what that looks like. Um, I was looking at just at the box scores from from Anthony Brown just to kind of see like what we're looking at here. I mean, I've seen a little bit of BC this year. Um, I haven't definitely haven't ignored the Eagles, but like last, I mean, this past week was his second best game in terms of passing yardage he still only hit 50 percent of his passes he hasn't really thrown well all year and he's not really much he hasn't been a running threat this year you look at the numbers in 17 and 7 with 1,870 yards like those numbers aren't that far behind Dungies but it's just amazing how differently they were amassed and how much more impressive Dungies are because like you look at almost more than half of those touchdowns are, are for two games from Brown he's got four against UMass he had five against Wake Forest, and, you know, SU kind of tore up Wake Forest. No problem once they got going in that game. Um, he had two against Temple. He threw four interceptions against Purdue, which was kind of like the coming back to earth moment for this Eagles team when everyone got really high on them from an expectation standpoint. Like, there was also the, like, the double regression of the mean for both teams because Purdue had lost, I think, three games by like a couple of points each, and then like everyone— it was pretty apparent to everyone they were not that bad, and then they flew up and won that run. Right. Yeah, so that that was, in hindsight, probably expected. But in general, yeah, like these... He hasn't thrown more than one touchdown pass in a game since the Temple game on 929. Um, there's, he's only thrown for over 200 yards three times this year, and only once since uh, September 13th. So, like, you don't have to fear Brown. I, and to be honest, like, I don't really fear any opposing quarterback. I think for us, the, 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 what dictates a win or a loss is going to be, you know, what the run game can do to us and what the run game can do to us in, in a close game. Like, the reason that we were able to win the UNC game in part was because UNC had no idea what it was doing and didn't realize they were just running the ball really well against us. NC State had no ability to run the ball against us um, and therefore, you know, couldn't lean on it the way they probably would have if they if they did have you know a, a, a better running back situation. Uh, Wake Forest had the ability to run on us, but but fell behind too much. Like BC, if they keep the game close, I think they win. I think Syracuse, if they win this game, probably wins by ten because like that's the only that's the only way the math works for them in terms of this run defense. Yeah, and even I mean we've just, we've also seen the things come off the the rails late even when we thought we had a pretty secure lead against Pitt or, you know, we thought we could at least get a couple stops in Clemson. So um, I think we kind of do need to, to grow this lead. And if Dylan's healthy at all, or even if Dylan's not healthy, I assume the offensive line is, is pretty good for whoever the backup is. I, I would be way more comfortable with like a solid two-store lead uh, in the last couple of minutes because, I mean, the blueprint's there for how to, how to come back against Syracuse late. And it is not what you normally find. Looks like Ben Ben, ben Blinds uh, is averaging like 5.6 per carry, but only 376 yards. So it's not like there's a guy that's putting up a ton of yardage behind Dylan. So it's he's really the guy. What was his? I, I didn't watch any of the Florida State game. Uh, how did I know he had 116 yards, but it was really grinded out, and they just 
fed him the ball, and that Florida State defense isn't all that stout. Um, did how did he look? I don't know if you got to see that game. Uh, I mean, he looked. He didn't look healthy, but he still. I mean, Florida State's defense. He carried the ball won. thirty-seven times. So right, that's what I mean. He was like, healthy enough. That, yeah, he was healthy enough, but like I also think like Adazio just handed off to him and Mass. They don't really care uh, to what extent he's healthy or not. Yeah, like I was looking at Glein stats a little bit. Like he's he's more of like a receiver slot type guy um, who just ends up getting a lot of tries. Um, he had 23 attempts against Temple, had 16 against NC State. Like most of these are just really just being, um, you know, being AJ Dillon's, uh, you know, backup and and, and injury replacement um, for most of those yards. In the games that Dillon's been healthy, he hasn't really amassed more than like 27 yards, um, and he is like a better receiving threat for the most part. But I'd say like Syracuse fans, you could probably compare him to like a Ben Lewis type, except you'd actually want to have him run a jet sweep instead of what Syracuse is doing with, with one Ben Lewis. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I think that, that Dylan really does hold the key for them. It's, it's not really that different from what we saw earlier this season where, where we said, like, you know, how Dylan runs against this team um, is going to dictate the, uh, the final outcome. I, I'm, I'm very concerned in, in that regard. But otherwise, like, I do think Syracuse matches up reasonably well uh, with the Eagles otherwise. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think, I mean, I think it, on paper it's it's an even matchup, and I think that's very fair. Um, I think a lot of Syracuse fans are just going to be so down on the team after uh, what was a pretty poor performance, but we have to remember, like, it was Notre Dame. They were the number three team in the country for a reason. Uh, I think that was validated to all of us. And, all, and, and like I said earlier, like, I feel like we are getting kind of devalued now in what should be a pretty, like, coin-tossy game. So um, I think I, I'm, I'm kind of uh, going against all of that, and, and don't feel much differently about this team than I did coming in, aside from being a little bit worried about Dungy. But I think against a non-elite athletic team, uh, the Syracuse offense should be able to put up points against whomever. So um, I feel pretty good about this one. I think I think SU takes this one, honestly. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to predictions in a couple minutes. I think, you know, remember, Syracuse is still 8-3. and three. Uh, This defense is still going to bring a ton of pressure. Antoine Cordy might be back. I, I think I, I'm, I'm a lot less concerned this year about who goes a quarterback than I would be in past seasons. Um, I just think they present different things, not necessarily like, you know, uh, head and shoulders above uh, skill or production-wise. So, like, with all that in mind, I think it really just comes down to if Syracuse can start fast, and, and they don't have, you know, even have to start at the same, like, level of speed that they did against, like, NC State, if they can just start fast and stop BC from being able to just run the football and, and, and lean on our defensive line and, and, and exploit, you know, some, some over-pursuit, like, this does seem like a game that, that Syracuse could very well win, get to nine wins in the regular season, which would be a huge accomplishment for this program, for Dino, for these players. Um, I, I think a lot of these guys understand that. I, I do agree with you. I don't think there, there's a lot of people selling their stock on this team uh, very, very quickly based on one game. And, and, and I, don't, I don't necessarily think that's fair um, or, or legitimized in any way if you look at the other results of the season. Yeah, I, I think people do need to just not get lost with one game. Like, I tweeted after the game, like, no matter what happens, we are, we even if we lose it in BC, we are still one game away from, from our best win total in 17 years. So, like, this wasn't all going to turn into, like, Syracuse is now going to make the Orange Bowl all the time in one year. We are ahead of schedule, um, even if things were a bit flat the first two seasons. So people just need to keep perspective here. Um, the team was probably not the 12th best team in the country when we ranked that. Uh, and we said I that. We, we said that. I think we know the numbers indicated that. We were probably 
somewhere closer to like the 25 range and that's fine like that's a huge step forward um by year's end things will probably get where they were supposed to be but yeah like it's there you just can't overreact to one game because the team didn't play well like if the team comes out flat into bc again then maybe there's some cause for concern about like late late season uh just you know lack of i won't say motivation i think more just not able to totally finish things out, but we, we, we had their two game slide earlier in the year and we bounced back and started playing really well again, which is not a thing we are super accustomed to with this team. So uh, I'm not too, totally worried. I think Babers will get things going again and, and hopefully this team just gets more motivated to, to knock off Boston College and secure that, like, probably being like the definitive third best team in the entire conference, which would be pretty cool to be able to say whether or not that means we get to go to like the Citrus Bowl or whatever. Not the Citrus Bowl, the uh, Champion World Bowl. Camp World Bowl would probably be where we're going if we beat BC. It feels pretty good. I mean, we'd, we'd have two games on them. We'd have at least a game on NC State plus a head-to-head win. I know that doesn't mean everything, but... Um, two I games on a, Pitt. At least two, two games game. on Pitt. Yes, plus their like, fan base isn't any... I mean, I would say they're not better traveling-wise than ours. No, I, I wouldn't. So, yeah. You, you'd spend all your money on, on three straight trips to Birmingham and... <laughs> and, you, and you try to go anywhere, Dan. I get it. I don't even know how you get to Birmingham. Do they have an airport? <laughs> I don't know how you get to Birmingham. I mean, there's Absolutely. there's an airport, but I don't I don't think you can get a direct flight from Pittsburgh, Dan. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, they might, they might have made one by the time they were done with the streak. <laughs> Just the, uh, the, the the pit bull special. And and, and the, the plane is, is branded pit. And you can you can hop in the airport for... Gin's uh... <laughs> going to... He's doing the Birmingham now. <laughs> I can't really do any Pittsburgh accent, but I, I enjoy the Pittsburgh accent. I can identify it. I can't do it at all, but I can say yins, and that's the extent of it. That's fine. All right, so to wrap this episode up, uh, Dan, I know you said you think Syracuse wins. What do you think uh, the final score is? Um, I'm going to take SU uh, solidly. I'm going to take uh, Syracuse 37, BC 24. All right. I like it. I'm um, going the, the, yeah, by weird, like, usually I, I keep things pretty close. I'm going, going Syracuse wins this one pretty handily. I'm, I'm going 38-28. Uh, I, I think if, if Tommy's under center, I think that SU is going to air it out early. Um, and I, I think that, that, that the Orange are going to look pretty impressive early if, if he does so. Um, I think attacking the, the strongest part of the, the BC defense could be a really good idea. Um, and then if you get up a couple uh, scores, then yeah, then just start pounding them with the run. I mean, we, we, ha- we have three running backs worth handing the ball off to. I'm sure all of them are anxious to pick up some more yards. Moniel is 210 yards away from the 1,000-yard mark, um, which well within reach. If he, if he ends up being like getting feature back carries in this game, um, we'll see. But I, I think Syracuse can win this one. I think, like I said, if they can start fast, um, they should be able to pull away and, and kind of hang on. I'm not expecting Dylan to be anywhere near 100%, and I think that that's really going to be the, uh, the the deciding factor in this one. Yeah, our, our effort in Dexter Williams and company actually makes me feel a lot better about Dylan. Like, even if he's, I mean, if he's 100%, that's not great, but, like, I feel like we we did a really good job against, like, holding Notre Dame back in that sort of running game, and we obviously, I mean, Ian Book tore us up, but... Brown but we, had to, we had to consider Book, like, and, and even in Pitt, we had to consider Pickett. Like, Brown we have to consider, but not to the same extent. They don't have the talent out wide. I think it'll be kind of similar to Pickett, but I think Pitt's running game is better than BC's, um, which has been pretty apparent. I mean, BC's is good. 
Pitts is like really, really good and has been apparent since in every game since we played them. Um, and yeah, like you said about Mo, it'd be really cool to get him to a thousand. He needs what? Uh, two hundred ten. Yeah. That's that's doable considering his. I mean, he hasn't had a huge workload, but the the Louisville one fifty nine helps. But he had eighteen against Notre Dame. Um, he's clearly the best uh, every down back on the team. So I, I do hope he continues to get the ball. Yeah, I mean, I would love it if we had like handed off to him like five to seven more times against Louisville just to see if he could top two hundred, <laughs> and then he'd yeah, be much closer we, to the record. We could have really, we could have probably gotten, we probably already would already have a thousand if we really wanted him to, but we decided to do the smart thing and not, you know, exploit that too much in Louisville, which is why, you know, why bother? That was mean that whole game. Exactly, and 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 a dominant win's a dominant win if you win by. 36 to nothing or 36 to three i don't i don't need to feel more like a man just to beat louisville by 80 instead of right <laughs> instead of 30 like yeah like the louisville game had we won honestly would it feel a lot better about the louisville game if we had only given up 16 points instead of 23 no it would feel exactly the same <laughs> like it, it was a definitive win we stomped out a team that has given us issues in the past uh so once again notre dame fans calm, calm the hell down like you're, you're number three in the country. Put your insecurity away for a hot second if you possibly can. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Um, it's like they're worried that they're going to get bounced down to fourth if they don't play super well every week and then have Alabama just, like, pick them out of their teeth again. Oh, that, that's probably what it is. Like, they just want to keep in that third spot because we know if Michigan beats Ohio State this weekend handily, Michigan might jump Notre Dame for the third spot. I don't, Michigan I don't think they can if only because of the head-to-head, like, I just think the head-to-head matters in that game enough. We've seen we've seen conference championship week make like the Ohio State thing in 2014. Like the only reason they got in was because they had the conference championship game, and if Michigan goes and just stomps Ohio uh, Ohio State and Northwestern, um, even with the head-to-head, like there's a, I think I think there's a very good chance they jump to third, in which case Notre Dame then has to face Alabama, and I don't think they want that at all. I that just doesn't if two is healthy, that's just not going to go well for them. Well, I don't think Michigan's going to stomp either of these teams. And I think that's why they end up staying in fourth. Um, crazy things can happen, but I don't think anything crazy is going to happen this year. I don't expect them to blow out. Actually, I'll probably end up picking Ohio State just as I like, I need to see Michigan beat them once before I like get super comfortable with the idea. Because it, it's happened once in the last 14 years. And that was when Luke Fickle was coaching Ohio State. So uh, that and also I do think that if they get there, they'll beat Northwestern handily. I don't think I think Northwestern's good, but I think Michigan will be like all kinds of fired up. I agree, but Northwestern also didn't. Northwestern also gave him a game earlier this year. That's true. That was before Michigan was really firing. Agreed. I yeah. I, I still think that that one, two, three, four stay exactly the same, um, and I think we just set up Alabama to like squeak by Michigan. Um, Clemson handles Notre Dame, and then Alabama, I think, probably runs over. Uh, Clemson, because I feel like the worst thing that could have happened um, this past Saturday w- w- was a, a first half close call with the Citadel. Because now Nick Saban's oh, mad. Nick Saban, Nick Saban loved that. There's no chance that wasn't his ideal outcome of the first half. Because now he gets to be like, you guys aren't even better than the Citadel if you don't actually play hard. Look at that. That was embarrassing. That was only the best possible thing for him. Oh yeah, because because now because now we, we get to watch them, you know, try to put up seventy against Auburn. Uh, oh, they're gonna try to just. They're going to try to make Auburn reconsider firing bells on <laughs> <laughs> and eating whatever, like the like $50 million buyout or whatever it is. Jesus. Anyway, sorry for that interlude into non-Syracuse talk, but you knew we couldn't help ourselves. Um, 
Dan, anything else before we leave? No, hopefully everyone, I just hope everyone, like, gets over this weekend. It was really tough being in New York because, like, there was the opportunity to go to the games, and I was at one of them. I tried to go to the Notre Dame game, but the tickets were just obscene. Um, I think they were $400 dead in, and I uh. expected that to drop right before kickoff, and it, they didn't. They went up. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a rough weekend here, but uh, football, college football, I mean, the football season's going so far ahead of expectations already. That I'm not going to get too down about one, like literally our first really bad performance of the year. We knew we had one in us. Uh, basketball, um, I, I think you're right. Everyone should be disappointed, but it's not the end of the world. We'll, we'll, we might be okay. Like we'll see. It's very early, so um, enjoy Thanksgiving. Hopefully, enjoy a win Saturday. I'm glad we're at noon, um, so we can enjoy the rest of our days. And then, uh, yeah, onto the onto bowl season. A nice nice wait to see what. Either we're back in Yankee Stadium and can redeem ourselves, or we're heading down to Orlando for some nice weather. I'm very excited. Um, everybody, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you for listening to Troy Noons and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Blog Talk, on wherever else you listen to podcasts. Hope everyone has a happy, safe, healthy Thanksgiving, and go Orange. Go Orange. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.